Rusty Quill presents. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is entry 3112, titled Haunted Apartment, written by an exchange member going by the name Priestess of Spiders. Recorded by Mark LaBeouf. retrospect, it should have been obvious from the start that there was something going on. It was my first time renting an apartment, but even I thought the landlord was eager for me to move in as soon as possible. The rent was ridiculously low for the area. The apartment itself was in pristine condition, and the whole process from touring the apartment to moving only took about a week. Nothing like that comes without a catch. Apartment 311 was a pleasant place to live at first. It had two bedrooms and one bathroom, and since I lived alone, that meant I got to convert one bedroom into my own office space. It came with a handful of paintings already, so it didn't even have the off-putting liminal feeling that some empty apartments have. The only immediate downside I could tell from the start was that there was a slight smell in the living room from time to time. It wasn't anything too noticeable, but you would occasionally get a faint whiff of some sort of musty odour. I was living in apartment 311 for a couple of weeks before I noticed anything was wrong. It started out with simple stuff, like various knickknacks being placed on the wrong shelves, and snacks and small objects going missing, things like that. Once or twice I found the fridge left open. These things would only happen when I was asleep. And it made me feel like I was going crazy. There was no way that anyone could be breaking into my apartment just to steal some useless crap and move around some collectibles. The door was locked whenever I went to bed, and even if someone hypothetically had the key, I always made sure to bolt the door as well. I considered getting some security cameras set up, but I balked at the price when I looked into the possibility. 
Though the apartment was admittedly cheap, between rent and utilities, I still couldn't afford to set up an entire security system. I tried to put it out of my mind, assuming that maybe I was just sleepwalking or getting up for a midnight snack and forgetting by the morning. I'd never been an easy sleeper. I was often prone to night terrors and other disturbances, which had only gotten worse now I was in an unfamiliar environment. Of all the sleep problems I experienced, by far the least pleasant is sleep paralysis. It used to happen fairly rarely, maybe once every two to three months, but after moving into the apartment it became an almost weekly occurrence. Now, usually my sleep paralysis is fairly mild. I find myself unable to move, eyes open, I find it difficult to breathe. Sometimes I feel like there's a presence in the room with me, but before I've moved I never experienced any form of hallucination, visual or otherwise. I'd never seen a ghost, monster, hag, or any sort of entity while I was paralysed. It was only ever a sense of dread and total paralysis of the body. That changed about the same time I noticed the missing food and misplaced objects. As usual, I felt like I'd woken up, but I couldn't move a single muscle. It was hard to breathe, and I had this awful feeling like I wasn't alone. I tried to calm myself down, to remind myself that I'd been through this before, and it always wound up okay. It was then that I noticed the door to my bedroom slowly opening, inch by inch. I could hear the creak of the hinges as it swung inward. Someone, or something, was coming into my room. He peeked his head around first, dull eyes reflecting the faint glow of moonlight in my bedroom window. He was bald, with pale flaky skin. I wanted to scream when I saw his expression, but I was still a prisoner in my own body. The man had a forced rictus grin on his face, chipped yellow teeth clenched tightly together, grinding against one another. I watched in horror as the rest of the man's body slowly passed into the room, tiptoeing as if he were creeping up behind someone in a cartoon. The man was utterly emaciated, almost skeletal in appearance and covered in sores and pockmarks. He was stark naked and smeared in dirt and filth. I could do nothing but watch as he slowly inched ever closer towards me until I could feel his hot breath upon my face. It smelled like the musty odor I sometimes detected in the living room. Not once did I see his expression change. He didn't even blink as he stared at me and I could feel hatred radiating off him like heat from a furnace. He just stood there, looking at me for what felt like hours. Eventually he turned around and slowly sneaked back out of the room, gently shutting the door behind him. A few minutes later I started to be able to move again. The paralysis was wearing off as my body started to wake up properly. I had to call in sick to my job that day. The experience was such a shock to me that there was no way in hell I'd be able to get any work done. I spent a good hour just checking every room to make sure I was entirely alone. I searched in the closet, 
underneath the sinks, in my office, anywhere I thought someone could be hiding. And when I found nothing, I managed to convince myself it was all a hallucination and that I was safe. Things continued about the same for a while after that. Objects still went missing from time to time, and the smell of the living room stayed just as musty as it ever was, and about every week or so I'd have another sleep paralysis incident. Of course, now, every time I did experience sleep paralysis, I'd have to see my unwanted visitor again. I named him Jimmy, to try and reduce the terror a little bit. Putting a silly name to a horrifying face helped lessen the fear slightly. As far as sleep paralysis hallucinations went, Jimmy wasn't too bad once I started to get used to him. He never touched me, or sat on my chest like some people's nightmares did. He just stood. And stared. It was still deeply unpleasant, mind you, but I felt lucky that it was a consistent kind of unpleasantness at least. Then I found the photograph. I noticed it under a pile of papers while I was doing some cleaning up. A picture of two women embracing in front of a waterfall. I didn't recognize any of the women, and I assumed it had been from a previous tenant. I texted the landlord, Greg, and asked if he still had the old tenant's phone number so I could give her a call. He obliged, and within a few minutes I was calling her. She picked up after a couple of rings, sounding slightly exasperated. Hello, this is Rebecca. Who is this? Hi, my name's Flora. I'm the current tenant at apartment 311. Uh, I think you may have left a photograph behind when you moved. I was wondering if you wanted to pick it up, or I could mail it to you, or, or something? There was a long pause on the other end of the phone. Uh, hello? I asked. You need to get out of that apartment. You are not safe. I honestly didn't have any response but to laugh. <laughs> Is this some kind of joke? I asked her between chuckles. I heard her slight frustration. It's not a joke. I'm serious. Things have been going missing, right? That got my attention. How do you know that? It happened to me too. My girlfriend and I kept noticing things being moved or disappearing while we were asleep. Little things mostly, snacks, trinkets, nothing major. Now, I never saw this, but my girlfriend swears one time when she got up in the middle of the night to get a glass of water, she saw this naked man just staring at her. He was covered in sores and looked more like a corpse than a person. She woke me up and we called the police, of course, but they didn't find anything. I think... Rebecca paused for a moment, choosing her words. What? What is it? I asked, increasingly panicked. I began to worry that Jimmy was more than just a simple hallucination. I think 311 is haunted. We asked around to some of the other residents, and apparently the last guy to live there just disappeared. Our best guess is that he must have died and his spirit just never left. My girlfriend is into some occult stuff and she tried a cleansing ritual or something like that, but it didn't work. Things just kept disappearing and eventually we just decided to move. 
I hung up the phone. It was rude, sure, but I was just so shocked that I didn't know what to do. At the very least, I'd begun to understand why I got this apartment for so cheap. I found myself just sitting on the couch for a while, occasionally getting a whiff of the musty smell. I stared blankly at a painting on the wall, one of the ones which was already there when I first moved in. It depicted a woman in a white dress sitting underneath a tree reading a book. I couldn't tell what was making me so focused on it. It seemed utterly unrelated to what was happening. Eventually, I snapped out of it and went to my office to do some research. After a little bit of digging, I found out some information regarding the tenant who lived here before Rebecca, the one who disappeared. Apparently, one of his co-workers put out a missing persons report six months ago. His name was Michael Hansen, and I gasped when I saw a photo of him. He looked exactly like Jimmy. I hastily packed some of my things and made arrangements to stay at a friend's house for a couple of nights, telling them that my apartment had a, a roach problem and the landlord needed to fumigate it. I called into work and gave them some sub-story about my uncle dying, enough to get time off for a few days. With no more distractions from the ghost of Michael Hansen, I slept soundly on my friend's couch, unbothered by any sleep paralysis. The next two days were spent researching. I checked out dozens of books on folklore and the occult from the local library, scored paranormal internet forums, and even watched a few episodes of some cheesy ghost-hunting TV show. I was determined to figure out a way to put the spirit of Michael Hansen to rest. The stories were all wildly different, with countless potential solutions to the problem. Some sources said salt uh, was a surefire way to banish spirits. Others said that iron was a good ghost repellent, but most simply said that I should just give up and move. However, one myth piqued my interest. According to some beliefs, the spirits of the unquiet dead could be tied to objects from their life, binding them to the place where the object resided. If the object to which their soul was bound was destroyed, it freed their spirit, and they could move on to the afterlife. I remembered the paintings. I had assumed that they were put there by the landlord, but it was just as possible that they were left by Michael. I arrived back at the apartment, determined to grab the paintings and burn them, laying Michael Hansen's soul to rest once and for all. One by one, I pulled the paintings off all the walls, putting them in a cardboard box. I made a mental note to buy some lighter fluid on the way to the empty lot where I planned to burn them. I approached the final painting, the one which showed a woman in a white dress beneath a tree. I pulled it off the wall and recoiled as the musty smell increased in intensity. Staring in confusion, I saw a small rectangular hole where the painting used to be, about four feet off the ground and two feet by two feet in length and width. I shuddered in fear, remembering that Michael's body was never found. Perhaps he was... murdered? His corpse hidden in the wall by some unknown assailant? I nervously flicked on my flashlight, 
and peered within the hole and screamed. There's something fascinating about ghosts. Something somehow romantic about the notion that part of someone could live on even after death. There was nothing romantic about seeing the clenched-tooth grimace of Michael Hansen glaring at me with hate as he stood in a small section of the hollow wall which he'd been living in for the past six months. Tiny Terrors is an anthology horror podcast produced by Pulp Audio and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. This episode was directed by Cole Weavers, with sound production and editing by Mike Lebeau. To find additional information or to join our Patreon for additional content and ad-free episodes, visit our website, www.tinyterrorspod.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Tiny Terrors Pod. Or join the Pulp Audio Discord by clicking the link in the description below. Rate and review us on Spotify and Apple. And finally, thanks for listening. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 